know what I'm going to do with your new mic? You're not. Since I'm editing this one? Yeah. I'm going to run it through like an Apex SM57 knockoff simulator. <laughs> simulator. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> All right, so, I'm Matthew Martinson. I'm Gordon McGlattery. This is Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio. Welcome. So, uh, what's new this month? Uh, this month, new with me. Yeah. Just working on lots of things. Yep. Oh, right. Bought some stuff. Went for a walk. Came back with a synth. Yeah, no plans. Matt yep. said, uh, hey, so, uh, Vince and I were thinking of going to Tom Lee for lunch. And I was like, I could go for the walk. I'll look at some stuff. And I came back with a mini brute. Oh, that's that's a shame. And you guys came back with nothing. It was your idea. Except you ordered stuff. Yeah, I ordered stuff. If what I had wanted was there, I would have walked out with it. But now I have it, which is this new mic that I'm talking into. Telefunken M82, large diaphragm. So we'll see how it sounds. Yeah. And what drew you to this mic? Uh, well, we've got, I wanted another large diaphragm for voiceover and stuff. And we've got an SM7B, which you're talking on Mm -hmm. here at the studio. So I've got access to one of those used on any project I want. So I wanted something like that, but different. And you know, it's, it's aimed at VO and kick drums. So it also takes a really high SPL. Mm -hmm. So that means I've got a good mic I can shove at loud things, which is always good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and if anyone's ever wondering about the consistency of our our audio quality, it's because this is like Matt's mic playground. Pretty much, I, I you really I, I used I used to do a bunch of recording for another podcast too, and every time it was like my experiment time. It was kind of like mm-hmm. I'm doing this, but I get to choose whatever mics I do. So I always do weird. This things. week you're both on hydrophones. <laughs> Scream into this tub. <laughs> I think it's good. I think it's good for these kind of things to be when you're doing podcasts and stuff. Like, it's not a shipping product per se. We're not letting down any clients. Yeah. Yeah. So experiment. This is where we learn. And then yeah. when somebody is throwing money at you, you're like, ah, I already know. I figured out. Exactly. I tried like all these different ways to record voice. This one will work best. So I will. <laughs> I will not tape a binaural microphone to your chest in a moving car. <laughs> for- we did that. For the actor you're hiring. It didn't work very well. <laughs> so ruled that out. <laughs> so yeah. So we were going to talk about gear because of that. We got some new stuff. So I got the Mini Brute. Yeah. Uh, with no real plans, I did need a new MIDI keyboard, so it wasn't completely frivolous. Yep. And uh, it was on sale. Can't beat that. So I, be- I, I got it. Buy, yeah. yeah. buy good used gear. Yeah. And going to a store is actually a really good place to buy used gear from. Um, because when they take it in, they kind of check it out. They're not going to like resell you something that's broken or shady or. Yeah. Know, so like if you've got a local music store that sells used gear, it can be great. Like, and you get a receipt. Yeah. I, I, my friend, uh, bought, this was years ago, but he bought a guitar pedal of Craigslist mm-hmm. and I just avoid Craigslist cause this seems to happen too much, but, uh, and he took it home and it just didn't work. Yeah. And the guy refused to huh. return it. But my friend hassled him like nonstop <laughs> every day for like weeks until the dude finally agreed to <laughs> to meet him. And it was just like a stone-faced handoff, no words, <laughs> just pedal, money, switch, done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah store's not going to be like that. I got my, um, my Sony PCMD50 used from a local music place too. Mm-hmm. Saved a couple hundred bucks. It was in condition. You know, I'd always got the store. If, if it was weird, 
I could always go back to the store and say, hey, you sold me something was no good. Here's my receipt. So was Yeah, good. you get surprisingly good deals at stores sometimes. Yeah. Like I got, a... I got my my memory man at mm-hmm. a store used for so cheap. Yeah. I think they made a mistake because <laughs> it was like 60% cheaper nice. than it should have been. Yeah. Well, there's always people too that are that have to be on the forefront of gear. So mm-hmm. they're constantly buying and then trading stuff back to the store to buy the next newest thing. Yeah. So, you know, if you're willing to be a little bit behind and, you know, kind oh, of yes. like wait for the oh, stuff yes, to settle down and know what's good, it's great. <laughs> yeah. Dude, as a guitar player, when we were in last or two weeks ago looking at you and you were looking at guitar pedals. Yeah. It was like a whole I haven't bought a guitar pedal in so long I, mean, I haven't looked at guitars in so long i've just been happy with the gear that i've had for probably eight years yeah that i was like what is all this yeah guitar pedals is like i do i use them a lot for making my weird music stuff and it's it's such a rabbit hole there's so many and there's so many like awesome weird boutique companies out there now that it's just yeah. like and then once you get into it though then you realize it's like okay this is like 10 million different versions of this one thing yeah. Like it's all clone mm-hmm. pedals. Not clones, but that distortion overdrive pedal called clone that oh. everyone's making copies of. Okay. It's always like their version of a clone. Like that's the holy grail. There's always a couple pedals that are like the holy grails that everybody wants and then everybody makes their version of that. Right, right. But we're not going to get too deep down the gear hole. Yeah. Because we had something uh, maybe a little more useful to talk to people about. Yes. We got a heck of a lot of questions on Facebook and Twitter today. So we want to make sure we get to those. Yeah. But uh, we're going to talk about conferences, mm-hmm. not GDC conferences, All not conferences. networking conferences, but working at conferences. Yes. I know you've done this a couple times now. Three, Three times? times. Yeah. And I've, I've been helping. A few booths. I've been helping run the booth at Clay ever since I've been here. So I've, mm-hmm. I don't know, five or six Taxes for clay, and then I, I've done convention stuff for other companies I've worked for too. Mm-hmm. So the idea of working a booth for a game you're on. Now, if you're a freelancer, it's probably kind of a weird concept yeah. a lot of the times. But I've been noticing more and more freelance people doing it, and I think it's a really great – I think you're in agreement with me. Yes. It's really great for sound people to get in on like helping work the booth for a game you're working on. Because a lot of times you're working remotely, and this can be your chance to meet up with the actual team you're working with, spend a couple days with them, like shilling the game, and you all there's a big camaraderie that grows around that because you've all been through this like horrific battle all the time. Yeah, you get to go spend 12 hours with the same people all day. Yeah. And uh, you get some common stories, get to know the game deeper. And if there's an audio person, Audio is going to get talked about. If an audio person isn't there, they may not talk about the audio specifically about a game because they're going to th- they're going to talk about the areas they're most familiar with, and they're going to be a programmer, a designer, or an artist, whoever they are mm-hmm. on the game. You know, it's the same. When I'm working the booth, I talk most about the audio stuff, and I always say, "Well, I'm the audio guy, so let me tell you about the awesome speech I'm in." I here's, put in the, this. here's the gobbler. Yes, yeah, here pretty much. <laughs> let me do a gobbler for you again. <laughs> You know, and our artists are like, let me talk about the art I did for this game. It's just, that's that's what you do. You talk about what you did in a game. By the end of the convention, does your gobbler sound like... <laughs> there is a, a great video out there. Um, Sony did a piece on 
all the indie devs that were part of their PS4 launch. Mm -hmm. It was like a year later, how's everybody doing? And this was, they filmed this at PAX East and I was like tagged, hey, you want to go talk to Sony and be on a video? And I was like, sure, what the heck? I like yapping about stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, So filmed it. It was on Sunday, so the last day of PAX. And by the last day of PAX, yeah, my throat is just shredded. I've been yelling like, for 10 hours a day at people. So it's like, let me tell you about my game. Yeah, well, you, you do your, your catch line all day. Yeah. And then you go to loud parties at all night. Yeah. And it's mayhem. Yeah. So you're screaming the whole time. So do this interview, and I'm just, I sound like a smoked pack a day, you know, like drinking <laughs> the whole time. You sound like a talking cigarette. Yeah. And I swear every time they showed somebody else in the video, they showed me. Then they showed somebody else. Then they showed me. I felt like I was in half the video. Like <laughs> there was like 50% other devs and then 50% me. Wheezing Matt. <laughs> yeah. It was like, ah, ah, and I like <laughs> bloodshot eyes and like beard, crazy beard and needed yeah. a haircut. And the best was there was somebody commenting. Go back to the clay guy. He's not even using words. <laughs> <laughs> the, so the best was the comment on the YouTube video was, uh, that's what I expected a don't starve <laughs> developer to look like (laughs) yes uh but i got that chance to be in like the big sony video and talk about our game and talk about the audio about our game Mm -hmm. because i was at working at a convention yeah so um i know some other audio guys who've started doing doing this as well like presenting it to teams of like hey i can come out and work a convention with you you know just get me the tickets it can be a really great networking thing um, I find it a bigger, you can raise the visibility of audio for your game. You can bond with your team. Depending on what kind of contract on you are on, you may just want to raise visibility for your game as well. Yeah. Yeah, totally. If you're yeah. on some kind of rev share thing. Yeah, if you're getting in your best percentage interest. of the sales, then you better be trying to sell your game. Yeah. So those things help. Um, you can do some networking, mm-hmm. find other stuff. Um, but I find the biggest thing is you can kind of get excited about what you do because you're showing what you've done to people and they're getting excited about it. And there's nothing like face-to-face showing somebody and turning them into a fan of your product. Yes. You know, it's so awesome when people like play your game and you're like, this is awesome. I love this. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I made that. I made that thing that you think is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a really, there's a real great excitement bump and for, yeah, for everyone involved, it's yeah. kind of cyclical. So, so if you're, especially if you're showing off a game that's not quite done, you can get really excited. You get jazzed, you go back up and you're like super excited to finish everything off. Yeah. Do some awesome work. Uh, so a while ago, um, me and Maya Kramer, uh, she goes to a lot of conventions. Mm -hmm. Um, we put together kind of a list. Uh, well, she said I was going to put together this list, list of like things you should take to conventions if you're working them. And I was like. I can totally help you with that. So we collaborated and came through with this big list. I'll, tr- I'll put the we'll put the link yeah. to it in the um, in the show notes. Um, but we made a big list of all the things that you should bring to a convention that you might not think of, and just broadly, things we th- we thought of were uh, booth needs. There's a whole bunch of stuff you need for a booth that you might not think of needing. Mm-hmm. And especially with anything, if you can be the guy who shows up with the stuff, instant hero status. Yes. You know, you're like, oh, we need a power bar. You're like, I got a power bar in my bag. Mm -hmm. Like, sweet, booth saved. 
So we got a big list of, you know, like zip ties and box cutters and scissors and a phone charger. Yes. Uh, you know, extra USB sticks. If you're selling merch, a sign for the merch, a cash box for the merch. Yeah. You know, extra cables. Um, and then there's, we kind of put in your well-being. You have to look after yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you might not realize how long a three or four day convention really is. Yeah. And what that'll do to you. Good shoes. Actually, multiple pairs of shoes. I have come out of conventions where I thought bones in my feet were broken. <laughs> At Indiecade in the firehouse, it's, it was a concrete floor and I was wearing terrible shoes. Ugh. And I was like, I think I'm injured. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always recommend two pairs of shoes mm-hmm. so that you can have nighttime shoes and daytime shoes because your shoes need to rest. You don't really think about this, but they're I compressing not, the whole time. I did not think about that. Yeah. So you wear one shoes, you wear your like comfiest shoes for the convention. Hush puppies. With like comfy insoles, like you know, pillows strapped to your feet. <laughs> uh, you wear those for the convention. <laughs> Moon boots. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and then before you go out at night, change shoes, put on another pair of shoes mm-hmm. and then do your night stuff. And then your shoes get more time to rest and it's, it's better. Other stuff like Advil, Tylenol, cough drops, lozenges, hand sanitizer, hand sanitizer, like crazy. Mm-hmm. All these conventions are. You'll f- be everybody's hero if you bring that. Yeah. yeah. These things are full of bugs. Mm-hmm. I get, I get, get I like big one. I have hand sanitizer on like a belt clip and we'll like <laughs> whoosh, whoosh, shake somebody's hand. You're like, Hey, nice to meet you. Shake their hand and immediately start sanitizing my hands. I don't like, I don't care if you are offended or think badly. Like I'm trying to stay well. Yeah. And I usually am like, here, you want some? And like, oh, yeah, sure. Like offering up the hand sanitizer is mm-hmm. always a way to make friends. Just put it on people's hands without them asking. Yeah, just squirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, I found a thing working at a bigger booth with like, you know, we go, Clay, we go with like 10 people, 12 yeah. people, yeah. is a schedule. Um, mm-hmm. There's always everyone, and this is no offense to anyone, but everyone always has a different idea of how long they should work in a, at a booth. Right. And what breaks they should take. And if you're not all on the same page, somebody is going to get PO'd by somebody else. Yes. Thinking you should have been here. I was here working. You mm-hmm. should have been here too. Mm-hmm. So make a schedule. Yeah. You know, make sure like I, I'm a firm believer that people should have breaks and get away from the booth and you need, you can't do eight hours, 10 hours in the booth. You go insane. So you need a break. So I'm always the one that like makes a schedule. It's like, all right. This is when everybody has to be here. This is when you're not here. This is when you're not here. And then you know, and then you're not wondering, oh, somebody's coming for an interview and where is everybody? Right. Everybody thought they would just take a break at once. If mm-hmm. you if you've got a schedule, you know, and you know you can be like, you know what? You want to talk to a programmer? He's going to be back in an hour. Yeah. Right? Um I've I've talked to people who had press and like publishing people come by booths to talk to them and nobody, none of the right people were there to talk to. And it was like, I can't tell you when they're going to be here. Yeah. And that's like, a, that could be a pretty serious missed opportunity. Yeah. Serious. So, you know, have a schedule. Even, even if you're just like, there's three of you. If you're the sound guy, there's the press is probably not going to be a big miss for you, but. Who knows? I yeah, <laughs> Maybe I mean, Matt and I will be by. I've talked to lots of press, but two, you know, if you're going to be the only guy there and you're not the best person to talk to, mm-hmm. make sure you know when people will be there that are the right people to talk. Oh, you yeah. you want to talk to a game designer? Game designer is going to be here at two o'clock. Yeah. I can talk to you till then, but maybe you want to talk to that guy. Yeah. Give me your card. I'll let you know, you know, 
that you're coming. Um, food is always good. Mm-hmm. People forget snacks, especially if you're going to be there a long time and can't get away. Snacks. Yeah, it's often the decent food might be pretty far away from the venue, you know? Yeah, yeah, a lot of times. Or it's super expensive. Yeah. At, at PSX, like, there was a little cafeteria that had some decent stuff in there, but man, you paid for it. Yeah. It so, like, trail mix. It's like buying bars. food on the moon. Yeah. <laughs> it's worse than airplanes. Yeah. So, have some stuff. Water. Water is always huge. Yeah. Stay hydrated. Uh, and PR materials. Don't forget PR materials. Have something that you can hand to people. Yeah, that's why you're there. Yeah. Bring, you know, bring a build you can give out to some people is a great thing sometimes. Yeah. You know, bring out cards. Get something printed up with your game name, your company name on it. Something you can hand people. There's lots of people who come to these things that aren't going to buy your stuff right away. They're going to look you up later. Mm -hmm. Give them something to remember you by. Yeah. You can even get promotional USB sticks that are not the cheapest. So you, you can give them away sparingly. Like, yeah. But uh, you might put a build on there. If you're doing networking, you might put your portfolio on there mm-hmm. for your like own personal stash, not for the game yeah. itself. But uh, press packages can go on those too. Yep. Yeah. It's great to have something to give people. And I'm not sure about every convention, but I certainly know about the PAX conventions. Mm-hmm. Do not ever bring stickers. Nope. Stickers are a giant no-no, and you get fined massive amounts if they find and have to clean up your yeah, stickers. it's like thousands of dollars. So just don't do stickers. Pins are cheap. Pins and, are great. And, and pins are so, uh, like, proliferate now yeah. that people almost expect them. Yeah. And they, and they love them, and they wear them, and they, and they, they flaunt them happily. Um, something that I, I've, I've noticed on some pins, because I'm a pin guy. I go mm-hmm. back to way when I was a kid. I used to collect pins, so it's like ingrained in my being. I used to collect like the pins that had the back oh, yeah, on yeah. them. Yeah. So I've got a huge button collection back at my parents' place. Yeah. But I've noticed lately um, on like the, the one-inch pins and stuff, the awesome pin, and it'll be some like cool art logo, whatever. And I'm like, I don't remember what this is. Yeah. You can print on the inside edge, the a website, a game name, mm-hmm. your name, whatever. Like. And I've noticed all kinds of pins without that, and I have no idea what they are anymore. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, this is a cool logo from something. Yeah. And there's no indicator of where it came from on it. Yeah. Because so, conventions are just like a complete overstimulation. Yeah. Like, it's very hard to remember notable notable things for dummies like me, at least. I did the same. I have people like, oh, what do you see? I'm like, I don't know. I saw a wash of everything. You know, and I'm on the, like, I work the booth most of the time, and I'll get like an hour to walk around. So I'm rapidly walking around and I'm mm-hmm. like looking at stuff. And there's always like, oh, I want to get a couple of things. So I'm rushing to some booth to, to trade with somebody or yeah. buy something. And, and then they're like, what else do you see? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I just saw a lot of people and like some big lights and loud noises. I saw 10,000 games. I played two. <laughs> they were mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've got a chance, work in convention, yep. it can be great and suggest it. Too. Yeah, definitely do your best to get on there. Yeah. It's good in every way. Um, a couple of things I want to add yeah. is uh, it's they're also, they're, they're also a really good place to sell the game. Like, it brings Steam keys yeah. and take money and sell the game. Yeah. But uh, something that we ran into with a, 
game I was didn't work on but helped to booth mm-hmm. uh, last year was that the we printed out all these codes. I believe for the Humble Bundle. Yep. Steam codes are all caps. Humble Bundle codes are caps and lowercase. Oh. But the font that the developer used, yep. and this is just such an easy mistake to make, was an all caps lock font. Oh. So we came with all these codes. That were useless. That were useless and oh. sold them to people and then had to kind of scramble to track these people down. Right. To give them the correct codes, which we were writing by hand. <laughs> <laughs> at the at the booth, so uh, but definitely bring codes to sell. Yeah, make sure they're right. Yeah, and that your cases are good, and you're using a you're using a fonts where the ones and the L's are mm. very and the capital I's are all you know very yeah. obvious what they are the zeros and the O's. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you can make some pretty good money off your game sales. Yeah, yeah, it's always good, and it's always good whenever if you've got it finished and you're showing it to people to have it available. Yeah. There's nothing kills interest more than like, you have to go to jump through these hoops. Yeah. And something that I've seen a few times that I always think is kind of a bummer is paying for, I've seen games that have paid for booths and they don't even have a playable build. Yeah. Like even if it's broken, let people play it. Like a booth that is just playing a trailer. It's not a lot to talk about. And I've no. seen that a couple times. Really? Yeah. I, I yeah. And you that's... pay you pay a lot of money for that. Booth. You do. Yeah. That's a lot of money to show a trailer to people. Yeah. And you're going to stand around and be super bored. Yeah. Yeah. You should always be showing the game. Mm-hmm. And if yeah, if it is broken, be ready to you know reboot it often. And yep. if you explain it to people more than often than not, they're like, oh, oh, cool! I get to check it out really early. Yeah. Yeah. Break, breaking games is a novelty for people that don't work in games, I think, sometimes. <laughs> cool. Anything else? Know, know a lot more about the game than just you. what you've worked on. Yeah. As well. We you always... need to know. There are things that people always ask. Uh, they're going to ask, what are you building it in? Yeah. Like, what's your engine? Uh, are you? Is it in C++? Is it in C Sharp? Um they're going to know when it's going to be released, if you have a release date. Engine and code stuff, I find that other devs will ask that. I've never found that many people, non-industry people, ask that. But I've been asked it so many times. Yeah. Even I've always, people that just dabble. I've asked, been asked it, but it's always, I want to get in games, into games. Yeah. I am in games. Mm-hmm. You know. But the, when is it going to be released? Yeah. Huge. What platforms is it going to be on? Yeah. What's the point? How much is it going to cost? Yeah. If this information is public. Yeah. And if it's not, know that it's not. Yeah. We always sit down before going to the conventions and go through a big run through of like, okay, what are the games we're showing? What are we talking about? What are the key points? And we go through the usual questions. Here's the usual stuff you're going to be asked. And here's what you say. Mm -hmm. You know, if it is released, it's out. Or this is its date. Or this is its window. And it's going to be this much, or what? We we go through all that. And we make a cheat sheet for everybody on the team, and go here. You go. If you've got, you can look it up. Yeah. Which so that's always good. Confer with whoever you're doing the booth with, and kind of run through the basics. Yeah. Another thing that you can consider bringing, if you are in sound, especially, yes. is some speakers, because and you don't want to be blasting the other booths away. Yeah. But 
generally all you're provided with is TV speakers or else headphones are probably I would an say headphones. even better option. Headphones are the better option. It's a more immersive uh, option. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always prefer when they get, get headphones because then they can get into it. Yeah. And, and I hate to be that guy who's blasting my stuff. Yeah, just it's adding to the noise pollution. Always really loud. And so. to the other the people the other devs across the way that are hearing the same 30 second loop yeah. over and over and over. We were uh next to the Hotline Miami guys yeah. one year. And they were showing Hotline Miami too. Thankfully I really liked the music in Hotline Miami, so it was okay, but it was just <laughs> like blasting beats all day. It yeah. was like, okay, it's it's a good thing I like this music cuz if I didn't, I would be insane. <laughs> <laughs> So we uh, move on to questions? Let's move on. We got lots of good ones we this week. We did. Uh, all right. So we'll start off with a Facebook question. Sure. Uh, from Chris Trevino. Um, here's a rather dry question, but it's one that I'm curious about how, other, how others handle. What sort of documentation do you use to keep track of versions, edits of material while you're in development? Everything down from your DAW session naming schemes, Excel spreadsheets, and sound file names. Um, what breadcrumbs do you leave yourself to go back to your source files and keep on top of version control? Okay. I burn just about every bridge I go over. <laughs> that is the most destructive sound designer. There is there is no breadcrumbs. There is just the scorched earth. <laughs> yeah. Matt calls in the crows. <laughs> um, I mean, when I'm making sounds, I do a lot of, as we, if you've been, if you if you listen to the podcast, you know I do a lot of processing as I go, um, so there's not a lot of going back in some cases. But mm-hmm. when I do need to go to a revision, I'll basically take all of the source files I've got, copy them, and start from like I leave the old one and start from the new one, and that usually means I delete like half the stuff I've got because mm-hmm. I know like this these are all the parts that don't work, but I like these little bits and I'll keep those and I make a whole bunch of new stuff. And when I bounce it out. I always append with V number, V2, V3. Yeah. Um, and then that goes into <laughs> version control, source control, goes into the project, and, and I rebuild it. So that way I'm not rolling over actual sound files. Um, it's not like I'm like have to open it and see how many versions in, in Subversion or Perforce there is of something and, and go back. Every time, it takes a little longer because I have to actually replace the file in my middleware project. Yeah. But I'm comfortable doing that, and that means I've got – I can just look and go, this is the third time that I've revised this. Yes. So that's that's the only major thing I do is I append a version number to things. Right. Never attach final. Nope. Just numbers. Because then you, you have final, forever. final, 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 finalist, mm-hmm. real final, ignore the other finals, do not use others' final, final. Yeah. <laughs> so never, always use a numbering scheme is my advice. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to sh- sessions and stuff, I, I leave the original work and start fresh next to it. So mm-hmm. – there's like an area that is these sounds and I can kind of follow through of like, here's the first one I did and here's the second one I did. Yeah. Um, what about yourself? Um, well, I since I have to work differently than you a lot of the time just because I'm working more remotely. Yeah. Um, I do think – I organize things by delivery. Mm-hmm. And so I will have basically one root folder – that will be like, let's say the, the one I've been doing tons of du- deliveries for right now is Duelist. So it'll say Duelist SFX. 
Yeah. Inside that folder will just will be a bunch of sessions. Delivery one, delivery two, delivery three, delivery four. This is and this is in Pro Tools. So within that folder, there is the audio files folder, the session file backups. Yeah. And instead of creating a whole new session and therefore a whole new root folder, mm-hmm. I just do a save as from my previous session. Yeah. And uh, start it in the same folder. That way, if I'm using a lot of the same audio files, I'm not just duplicating and taking right. up tons of space. The caveat to that is that you, I do lose my session file backups. Yeah. Um, because they'll they'll overwrite. But right. generally, the delivery's already been made, copied, backed up. Yeah. And I've just never had to go back that far. I've only ever used session backups. Um, when I've like had a Pro Tools like crash right afterwards, yeah, I yeah. get a crash and like I sort out the crash and I go to a backup. Yeah, I've never gone back to a, a backup really old of a one. session. I wouldn't know when where to go. Like weeks later or anything like yeah. that. Like yeah. they've never never been. Um, I've even deleted that folder when I've archived stuff. Yeah, I only care about the session. Yeah, and then uh, in coordination with that, I have a spreadsheet that divides my deliveries um, by the month they're delivered in. Yep. And so this, this like doubles with my invoicing spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Um, it does the same, it's the same spreadsheet and that will list all the specific assets. So if I ever need to find a, an asset and know which session it's going to be in, I just have to go to that spreadsheet, search it. It'll pop up and it'll be like, okay, that was in delivery nine. I delivered that last uh, September. Yeah. And so it's a pretty good system right now. I like mm-hmm. this one. And then I'll have a different root folder for the VO, different root folder for the music, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So hopefully that answers some of your question. Yeah. Um, Gord has a good system. I don't. You probably you probably have a better one than I do. <laughs> uh, Todd asked, what's your favorite, your cat's favorite treats? My cat's favorite treats? Yeah. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme likes peanut butter yeah. and chicken. And the other cat just likes wet food. Mm. He doesn't like any people food. He's not big on treats. He's just crazy about wet food. Uh, Odin, Odin's a big dry food junkie. Mm-hmm. She'll, she'll just, you get, she'll leave her wet food and just eat the dry food, which is funny because she has no top teeth. So it's kind of <laughs> hard for her. Um, <laughs> Stuck and, in the past. Yeah. And Brissa, she'll eat anything. Mm-hmm. I've given her stuff like I mean, like she's like interested in something. I'm like, you're not gonna like this, like people food and stuff. And she's like, oh yeah. I'm like, you just ate something really spicy. You're a weird cat. Yeah, yeah. So she she's down for anything that you shove in her face. Uh, okay, we'll double these up. Jack asked Pro Tools twelve thoughts combined with Chris Trevino um, saw that and asked again. And would you touch base on Pro Tools first? So if you haven't heard. Pro Tools 12 is coming out, mm-hmm. and Pro Tools First is a free version of Pro Tools 12. Mm-hmm. Um, Avid hasn't done a, a free version of Pro Tools for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I've only looked at Pro, Stool, Pro Tools First a little bit. There's some odd little caveats, I think, to it. Yeah. Um, you can only have three sessions, <laughs> um, and then you have to blow away a session. Like, It's the same as any other intro DAW, I'm sure. Where it's basically a demo, yeah, um, and it's probably super buggy. And- I, I I imagine it's just the same, except that like you you can only have three sessions, which could if you're just if you're a podcast person, I think it would be great. Yeah, like if you're just 
you don't have to roll back on stuff. Mm-hmm. It'll be great. Uh, so I think it's a great taste for people. Yep. So far, the new features of Pro Tools 12, I don't care about any of them. Yeah. Like, quite honestly, I don't care about cloud collaboration. I don't care about any of these remote features. I don't care about the marketplace. Mm-hmm. I really don't care about the new pricing schemes with the subscription service. Don't care about or don't care for or undecided? Uh, all the features I don't care about. Yeah. The subscription service I don't care for. Yeah. Um, I was talking with Jack a bit about it on Facebook today. And, you know, he's he's a Reaper user. Mm-hmm. So he's like, hey, if I need to use Pro Tools, I can pay for it for one month, use it for as long as I need to, and then be done with yeah. it. Yeah. And Real was actually happy about it as well because he's strictly an Ableton user. Right. So I, I think that is a good good point. And I mean, I've rented plugins before when I was like, I can't afford this, mm-hmm. you know, but I need it desperately for this one session. Boom. I can rent it for five bucks for the week. Yeah. You know, that's been great. It, it is great for those kind of people who are like, who Pro Tools isn't their primary DAW. Yeah. It allows you to dabble in it and like use it when you need to. You're like, you know what? People sending me a Pro Tools session. The only thing I need is Pro Tools. So I can use it for a month or two months. That's, yeah. that's great. Um, but those of us that use it day in, day out all the time, I hate subscription models for things I use every day. Yeah. Feeling a little shafted. And the buyout option they've got, I find incredibly confusing and I don't get it right now. I don't get why I would pay for it versus the subscription model. Yeah. So uh, right now I'm just really confused about what's going on with Avid. And And Avid seems to have a way of... It always is confusing. Yeah, <laughs> when you're buying so, a new license. So that's how that's that how I feel about it. right now. I I haven't got it sorted out in my head. I'm looking at, at other options, but nobody has everything I need. Yeah, so far everybody has something that pisses me off. Yeah, I'm like this is where the the angry old audio guy comes out. Everybody's got something that's making me angry. Mm-hmm. So that's a whole podcast into itself that I don't want to get into. Yeah, I was. I'm just like. I feel like I just bought it. Pro Tools. I don't even have. I don't understand the like, running the uh, like the this constant release of new software. First of all, I'm like, you can't release a very good piece of software after one year. Yeah, I'm sure they've been working on it for several years, but this, the feeling is, what? How much could be new if you've only been working on it for a year? Yeah, this, like this is very complicated stuff I've, we're talking about. I've heard a lot of people saying that you know le- eleven is still buggy and that they're yeah. not satisfied with where eleven is at. So well, I'm using it here yeah. every day, and it's it crashed on me several times today. Right. So. so, so yeah. How about we move on to another question? Sure. We try maybe, to stay positive. Here. Maybe let's let's be happier. All right, Shane Gravestock. I might have actually pronounced your name right on Twitter. Uh, at Shane Gravestock. Nice to have actual Twitter name that's the same as your name. Uh, how do you approach the direction and aesthetics of sound design of a project you have complete creative freedom on? Well, I actually just did a uh, talk at the uh, Global Game Jam on Friday that yep. was touched exactly on this subject. So awesome. Happy to address this um, carefully. Yes. You have to first... You have to know that they mean it. Right. You know? So the best way to do that is to get it in writing. Yeah. I'm working on several projects that they said that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and we got it in writing. So yeah. it's it's in the contract that I have the last say. Now, of course, they hired me because they know what I do. Yeah. And that what I do is probably within a window of what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, so first, you have to make sure that that is crystal clear, that yeah. they're not hiring you because you're really good at one thing, but expecting you to do another, but are going to give you full creative freedom on it. Yeah. Because those things collide and make a mess. <laughs> very rapidly and very messily. Yeah. Um, uh, secondly, like once you do have full creative freedom, then this is like the perfect opportunity to establish your persona, yeah. basically. To stab it, stab it in, for me, it's been more with music, mm-hmm. but to establish like what makes you unique yeah. and what makes you stand out. So when you get projects that, that, give you this freedom like it's a very valuable thing you have to really embrace it and a lot of the time like devs that are listening listening when you give people this uh it's when they're you're going to get extra work out of them Mm -hmm. for free because (laughs) they are representing their themselves yeah um how do you handle kind of the lack of direction that comes with those sort of edicts I like, still do whatever you want. Like, what do you? Where do you start? I will still ask for direction. Yeah, um, but I'm also pretty good at just going for it. Yeah, uh, artwork is awesome. Mm-hmm. I I'll I'll communicate with the artists a lot. I'll get them yeah. to send me as many uh, just outlines as they have, and concept art, concept art, and uh, design documents. Yeah. Just all of that to start building a picture in my head. Yeah. And so what is the environment like? What instruments would I use? What kind of sounds would be found in that environment? Mm-hmm. Um, what's the tone of the game? So that you can just start applying emotion and yeah. uh, uh, the correct energy to it. Yeah. That's a, that's definitely the thing I find hardest with getting that kind of do whatever you want is, is the paralysis of mm-hmm. all options are open. Yeah. And you just kind of don't do anything. Yeah. Because you're like, what, where do I start? You just freeze. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I definitely find something. I do, I do the same as you. Um, Don't Starve was pretty open mm-hmm. to me. To be, They were just like, do the audio. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, they had a really strong art aesthetic that clued me into kind of ideas right away. Yeah. Like I had a feeling of what this was from the art. Yeah. Like su- super easily because it was uh, a very so distinctive. Yeah. Yeah. That it was like, I know what should go with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing what should go with something just from the art and stuff, that's going to take experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and some ta- sometimes you're just going to – before you show anything to anyone, you're going to have to take a couple swings at it mm-hmm. and produce some stuff and go, no, that doesn't go with it. Yeah. Um, I guess the biggest thing I would add to it all is make sure whatever you're doing is serving the game. As cool as the ideas you come up with and the awesome sounds and music you make, if it's not serving the game, then there's no point to it. Yeah. You're not, we're not just writing albums here. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to, it's got to add to the experience of whatever this gameplay Mm -hmm. is. And if you do that, if you, if if you serve the game and add to the game, then it's going to be awesome. Yeah. And like, it's, it's going to be your like thing and you're going to be so happy with it. It's your stamp and your style and if you're super confident about what you've done, then that it goes with this medium, then who asked for it? They're going to be excited about it too. Yeah. Yeah. But just because you've been given 
freedom doesn't mean don't expect any feedback. Yes. Or negative feedback. Yeah. People are, they're, st they're still going to have opinions, yeah. but the reason they gave you creative freedom is probably because they didn't know how to direct you. <laughs> and as soon as you deliver something, suddenly they're going to know how to direct you. Yeah. So you just have to be ready for that. Yep. And, uh, and don't dismiss it. I think it's almost better for people to have worked a few contracts where they had no creative freedom first. Right. To get over the, uh, the criticism thing. Yeah. And then get jobs where they have more creative freedom and they know which feedback to take to heart and which to, uh, you know, use their judgment on. Yeah. As I say, always kill your babies. Kill your babies. Well, get, get used to, you know, take, making your song, giving it to somebody and they go, I hate it. And you go, awesome. I now hate it too. I'll go make you something you like. Yeah. Well, we could say keep your babies and give them imposter ugly babies <laughs> that they asked for, the babies they wanted. Give them the babies with, they want. With died. But it's it's kind of the idea of kill your babies. Like it's it's this isn't this holy thing that you're holding on to. Yes, you made an awesome song, sound effect, whatever it is, mm -hmm. but it's serving this game and this project. And if somebody else is the creative lead, do what they want. Mm-hmm. It doesn't serve you to argue about that, like, I made this awesome song. Well, that's just going to piss off your boss, essentially. Yeah. And they're not going to want to work with you again, and you're hard to work with. You give them what you want. Mm -hmm. You know, you educate them along the way so that they're not making bad, dumb decisions about things. Mm -hmm. You know, you can be like, oh, well, I think this is why this could be better. But at the end of the day, it's their decision. You don't ship with the game, so you're not there to explain why you did something. Yeah. So just... Right. Let's change it. Revision time. Yeah. If Give you want some... that much control, make your own game. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> All right. Uh, Steve Stem says, I like hearing about any plugins you guys keep going back to, like Decapitator by Sound Toys. Well, Decapitator. I <laughs> Saturn. <laughs> Have I ever talked about anything other than Decapitator? No. Other than Decapitator, I use the other Sound Toys stuff mm -hmm. a lot. Um, I really like Radiator as well from them, and I like Echo Boy uh, from them. Um, I was getting a heck of a lot of use out of HEQ from Waves, um, which seems to be the lesser known of the H plugins. Mm -hmm. I like the H delay. I, as I well. use H delay a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I just kind of moved on to using uh, Fab Filter Two now. Mm -hmm. Um, and you've seen I brutalize stuff in that. I'm like 30 dB of gain and cut all over the place yeah today yeah. i had a curve that went off the top of the screen i don't know how much gain i was just yeah putting i on use something. fab filter stuff all the time i've been using c4 a lot yeah just my multi i've been using a lot of a few multi-band compressors mm -hmm. just to really give my high end a little christmas yeah um i've been using more of the waves kind of emulated stuff the shep 73 eqs uh the api eqs mm -hmm. just i find it's a different sculpting tool than like Fab filter, I dig in and do crazy, like draw crazy things and like chop the stuff out that I see. And the kind of musical ones that are emulating old vintage gear, mm -hmm. it's more, I approach it more musically and of like do smaller things yeah. with it. Cause I'm like, they picked these frequencies cause they're good frequencies to booster cut. And I do smaller yeah. things. I've been having a lot of fun with, um, multiband side chain compression as well. Nice. For the. A trailer for a game called Flamingo I did, which everyone should check out. I'm really proud of it. Um, basically, I had it, everything sort of grouped in my – they were all OGS sent to these groups for by uh, frequency content. Yeah. Like what those layers were doing. And then I was able to have them sort of 
mix themselves to a right. certain extent on a multi-frequency basis. Nice. It turned out really nice. Cool. Um, all right. Here's the one from Alex. I I have no idea how to pronounce your last name. It was Yaramendi. Sweet. I think it's Yaramendi. He told us. Did he? He told us on Twitter. Okay. And I'm pretty sure it's Yaramendi, but we're probably wrong again. I, I put it out there. I will I just not like, pronounce your name. Yeah. Mispronounce just, your name. So. I just like listening to you struggle. Uh, thanks. Uh, he said, <laughs> hey, guys, what a great gag. Uh, something about you or your YVR SD community about localization and deliveries to other markets. Uh, so we're lucky. We've got a pretty great community here. So yeah, yeah, our community. Um, Seattle's got a great community too. They've got yep. a meetup group and stuff. I went down the other week. Yeah, and to it's their just shindig. It, it is. A, it's a result of there being a large AAA. Yeah. Uh, industry here, and we are the and a lot of schools, and there's a lot of yeah, yeah, a lot of reason there's a build up here, and the the sound design community has taken a while to build up. I mean. We've been having the, yeah. the meetup group for over a year now. We've been hammering it pretty hard. Yeah. We're doing our first educational meetup in, on Friday, which is going to be cool. Which is sweet. Um, so if you want to get a sound, sound design community together in your area, it's just you got to work at it yeah. sometimes. Like we're all weird people that hide away in our dark rooms in front of computers. So it can take well, – a lot of times it usually takes beer. Yeah, man, I've been out. trying to the the post audio people are so hard to get out. <laughs> I asked I asked my friend Stefan today. I was like, "Hey man, do you want to do a talk?" He was like, "Nah. I'll come <laughs> I'll come watch them though." And I was like, "Any of your colleagues yeah. might want to come do a talk?" He's like, "What them?" No. <laughs> I'll ask him, but no. Um so and localization and deliveries to other markets. I um I haven't localized a game in years, mm -hmm. like audio-wise. We've yeah. just done subtitles and stuff. Um, I I feel incredibly lucky I haven't had to do that. Yeah. Um, and that's because... So you guys have a clever strategy for that? Right. With Don't Starve, we opened up the modding system so that everybody could mod the subtitles themselves. Yes. Which And that's, that's what we've done with Smarter Every Day as well, the yeah. YouTube channel. It's just people are adding... Once you have a following, right. people... Will want to translate it for yeah. you, which is nice. Um, I would I would recommend in the indie sphere, if you're worried about localization, then you should consider limiting the amount of language that is in your game. Yeah, because localization is expensive. Yeah, and voice acting is expensive. I I I am so glad that we haven't localized a game in years, mm -hmm. and that's do I I highly respect the people that do it and put it into a game. Mm -hmm. Um, I did it when I was at EA and it stressed the living crap out of me. Yeah. Like dealing with, I was always too felt like dealing with some system that wasn't actually designed to do localization that we were having to jury rig. Mm -hmm. So I'd have like all these folders with exactly the same file names in them, but like they were in five different languages. Mm -hmm. So it was like, don't accidentally put a file in the wrong folder. Otherwise there's like one Spanish file in the Italian folder. And I was just like, it just stressed me out. It's like yeah. I didn't enjoy it. Well, I was talking and to – getting scripts finalized and getting scripts sent to territories to record and not changing things after. Make it looks like it's it's a real big task getting a game like properly localized. And yeah. hats off to the people that do it. Please keep doing it so I don't have to. Yeah. Um, if you're planning on localization, you should be planning. Yeah. I, I was I was actually talking to Kenny from. Uh, Cellar Door Games about it last week mm -hmm. and 
because they did localization. It was a hassle. I think they ended up just having the porting house do it or something. Yeah. Um, and it's it. He was he said it's good to plan ahead. If yeah. you're planning on localization, then you should be already thinking about it. Yeah, it's not something you want to do after the game's finished. No. Uh, Kristen Linder asks, not directly audio related, but do you think Windows 10 will offer new possibilities for indie devs to develop for PC and Xbox? I know nothing about Windows 10. You at lunch were like, there's a Windows 10? That's exactly what I said. So, um, that's not something either of us know anything about, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm, I'm 90%, uh, Mac, and then I, I have a Windows laptop running Windows 8, which I hate. Yeah. And uh, I have Windows 7 on boot camp. Yeah, I don't I just, I'm, I like, I don't know has any OS really changed like how much we can deliver for stuff? I don't know. It's so so out of my range. I don't of, think there are, I don't think there are OS limitations as far as who you're delivering to yeah. necessarily. So uh, sorry, Kristen, we don't have much to say not about our, that. Not our ballpark, yeah. Um, Alright, uh, last question. Luca templates do you use them how many for what what's in them alternatively what's your favorite end of chain mastering and sweetener effects i make a lot of templates <laughs> um i do have templates i have templates especially since i've been doing just this wide range of different things yeah um and i've so i've i use ableton and i use uh, pro tools i have in pro tools i have a linear template uh-huh. and i have a couple templates of like differing complexities yeah as if it's just a simple linear template with like it's only going to have one track of vo because it's voiceover only no dialogue then it'll be it's too it's probably too big yeah because i it's the template i learned at school so it's it's like for film yeah which is you know or it's a mashup of templates i learned at school which mm-hmm. is like plugins on every single track everything's automated yeah not doing a lot of burning in um multiple print tracks to separate so you're printing your dialogue sfx music all right. separately and so then, like, and then those are summing to a composite track as well right so a session designed to deliver to stage yeah really yeah. but uh i have and but keeping those things separate has proved useful yep. for commercials, especially mm-hmm. um, commercials and short films, for sure. Um, and then I, I have just really simple templates that are just for my my own booth. Yeah. Um, I don't have a lot of fancy sound design templates like the Whoosh template, and there these are templates that I've set up and then never used. <laughs> which I mean, I do have a lot of fun with uh, weird routing and Pro Tools and stuff too. So yeah. I should do more of it. Um. And then in Ableton, my templates are pretty wacky, but basically it's uh, it's something Real helped me up uh, mm-hmm. with, um, where Ableton has a very modular system yep. where you can group tracks and then you just throw them in a folder like in the hierarchy off to the side. So you can kind of have all these mini templates yep. where it's like this this is my strings template and, and I can you just, just drag it, it you can just drag it in and everything's all you've already EQ'd it mm-hmm. to with the DAW that you like and. And they all fit nicely together. Yeah. And then I have a mastering template as well. Yeah. I I don't feel I've really got template templates. Mm-hmm. I very I mean I always work with a very small amount of tracks. I find that just about every cutscene I mix, like the template I start with is like 
some tracks and a master and a couple of boxes. Like I'll put the music, you know, group the music, group the SFX. Yeah. Like, yeah. Basically, I find it just the like... dialogue, but I generally am like, I'm changing that almost every time. Um, and I've started mixing the music here. Um, that's coming out of our composers. Right. And even that I'm like, it's, we're trying to it's keep it the be same every time. Yeah. Yeah. But we're, so it's, Nothing's really so far for me fit into big templates. Yeah. I, and I'm a like, like we know, I burn it. I like, you know, destructively edit all my stuff. I just, I just go for it. So I don't, I don't ever look back a lot. So I don't automate anything. I don't put a lot of plugins on stuff. So I haven't gotten into like all the cool, really cool routing stuff mm-hmm. you can do with things. I'm just like, build it, burn it, done. Yeah. Like destroy it. Um, I've almost got some dialogue mastering chains, but even those I like to mix it up. Mm-hmm. And really, it's just about putting a lot of compressors on things. Yeah. I'm all, all about like <laughs> I, my small in-game dialogue mastering one today I looked at. It has three compressors and an EQ and a limiter. And it's like they're all doing like a dB or two of compression. It's just I do a lot of little tiny bits of it. Yeah. I just find it smoother. I found that just, and because I am also pretty disorganized in a lot of ways, is that it was nice to just get really fast at making new sessions. Yeah. So I have these templates. Like I said, I've made a bunch of templates, but I don't really Mm -hmm. use them all the time. A lot of the time I'm just in there and I can make the template, I can make the session I want in three minutes. Yeah. So... It's not that bad. And once you really are in, know the routing intimately, yeah. like if you have to make a new track and route these five tracks to it, it's, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been kind of nice. And yeah. that's a good way to approach to a lot of things like EQ, templates. It, if you have a template that you are locked to in your mind, yeah. you, you might not improve at that tool. Right. Whereas if you start from scratch every time, you're going to building, be building your skills. Yeah. And then once you're confident in your skills, then maybe make some templates. Yeah. And mastering mastering stuff real real quick. I kind of touched on that a bit. Lots yeah. of compressors. Mm-hmm. Lots of them. I like I like Ozone a lot. Yeah. Uh, because it has so much stuff already in it. Mm. I love mm-hmm. I love the harmonic exciter so much. That's dangerous. Be careful with those. Yes, just a little little bit. Yeah. Um, it's real easy for, like, harmonic exciters to, like, sound good. Mm-hmm. And then you come back two days later and you're like, what was I thinking? Yeah. That you, you can get really tricked by them. Yeah. So really put it where you think it's good and then dial it back 50%. Yeah. I, I use a little harmonic excitation, uh, multiband compression, EQ, mm-hmm. and then usually – a limiter and then something uh, I'll use the ozone yeah. limiter. The craziest and then, one. And then I'll use like a utility or something to just push the gain up into it. Yeah. Yeah. I always have like generally I use L1 on most stuff as my limiter, but I'm not yeah. hitting it. I'm, yeah. I'm just using it to kind of get up in level. But I like if it's actually doing gain reduction, I dial it back. Oh, okay. So that it's just, but there's a, there's I, a gain hit, bump you get. I hit limiters. <laughs> I, I, there's a gain bump you get from L1 right. just yeah, by yeah, having yeah. it there. So I like yeah. kind of like ride that into it. And I mean, I'll do it on my sound effects. I'll have it on all the time and I have it on my session as I'm creating stuff. So a lot of times I'm like hitting it super hard because I'm like I'm playing with levels and I'm just, you know, stuff's getting really hot and stuff. And then when I'm done, I'll, then I'll look at L1 and go, am I, 
where am I? And I'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm hitting it for like 9 dB. Uh, okay. And then I'll ride it back and see what it sounds like. Yeah. And just see like, oh, okay, if I don't hit the limiter, what does it sound like? And then I kind of like usually somewhere in between there. Mm-hmm. But if I'm doing dialogue, like I don't like to hit the limiters when I'm mastering dialogue. I just like to bump it up to the level I want it at. Yeah. But we were looking at a crazy session I had today that was like an EQ, a DSer, two copies of Ren compressor, Renaissance compressor in a row, then an EQ and another compressor and a reverb and a futz box and then a limiter. <laughs> I think it was. It was like nine or ten plugins. But it was like it did what I needed it to do. Mm-hmm. It was a very specific type of mastering. It was like I want it to have some reverb baked into it. It be a, like this thing mm-hmm. that exists more in the world. But like reverb and coming through a radio and all this kind of like stuff that that needed to do. So it was a very special case. Yeah. So it was like I'm just going to build all of this straight into it because that's all it's ever going to need. But yeah. it was kind of awesome. And remember the thing I learned a few weeks or a couple months ago. Yep. Well, why do we limit at minus one instead of zero? Because you get distortion at zero. When you do which? And you convert back to analog. Yeah. Yeah. Digital analog. And also what digital compression down to MP3 or AUG, anything louder might yeah. be weird as well. Yeah. The, the where stuff distorts at is not actually zero. When you actually doing the math, a lot of those things do weird things up in that like minus one to zero level. So it's yeah. best to just, just back it off a little and then you won't get weird distortions that you didn't know you were putting in. Mm-hmm. Almost every, you know, game console is distorting on output. Yeah. They found from the output of most people's games. And you just, you just got to dial it back a little. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So there you go. There's another one. See ya.